0: Today with Catherine Ruinala. Well, praise the Lord. I've been slowly working my way through the book of Psalms, and um, I just felt a prompting from the Lord to do that. I love the Psalms, and I have my favorites that I I, I go to. But I've just been getting so much revelation out of different Psalms that I thought, I just want to go through one by one. And I've been trying to discipline myself to do one in the morning and one in the evening, Sometimes I really just want to skip on to the next one, but I'll try to discipline myself to stay there and make sure that I don't just move on to what I'm familiar with, but really let the Word of God impact my heart and speak to me because there's treasures to be found in the Word of God. Amen? and i believe as god is moving as we are seeing revival being birthed in the nations the heart of the father is that we would be rooted and grounded in the love of god and that we would be anchored in the word of god that the word and the spirit coming together would cause us to have a flame that doesn't burn out hallelujah and that we would be the bright shining lights that he's called us to be We, You know, it's not enough for us just to read the Word and know about the Word. We need the Holy Spirit to make it come alive to our hearts. Hallelujah. We need the Word and we need His Spirit. And as we lean on Him and let Him feed us, as we intentionally dive into the Word of God and we lean on the Holy Spirit, our helper, our teacher, our counselor, He will feed you, He'll encourage you, and He'll help you. Hallelujah. So I've just had some whopper psalms this week. I was in Psalm 27. Oh, that was pretty wonderful. Hallelujah. One of my most favourite psalms. And, um, oh, they're all so delightful, so delicious. Psalm 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. And today I am in Psalm 32. And I, I haven't been always preaching from what I'm just reading in my own personal time, but I felt the Holy Spirit today prompt me just to take you through this psalm today and I believe he wants to speak to our hearts and he wants to encourage you and he wants to help you. So are you ready for the word of God? Psalm 32, I'm reading from the New King James. It says here, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Is that anyone in the house? Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Hallelujah. Oh, what a magnificent psalm. And we'll keep going because there is more that I want to share with you from this psalm. But I just want to start here. When I kept silent, my bones grew old. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. But... When I acknowledged my sin to you and I I brought it before the Lord, when I confessed my transgressions to the Lord, you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Now, praise God. We know in the Lord Jesus Christ that when he was crucified, he said, it is finished. Praise God. He took the penalty for our sin. He who knew no sin became sin so we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Hooray! Praise the Lord. You have to like celebrate. This is exciting. So yay! Praise the Lord. Yay! Because the law showed us that nobody by their own efforts could become righteous No one can take away their sin, even one sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And God is light. And light can't have any fellowship with darkness. And we can't be joined to God with any darkness at all in us. And so Jesus, the Son of God, came as a man, lived a sinless life laid down his life, was punished, was crucified, died, went to hell and was raised back up again from the dead so that you and I wouldn't have to die. We wouldn't have to live an eternal life without him, but we could have eternity with him in heaven. Hallelujah. This is the good news of the gospel. We, we die physically once, but we don't have to suffer the fate that is the the judgment for sin, which is eternity without Jesus, without the Father. And instead, by receiving Jesus as the Savior, receiving his mercy and forgiveness, we get eternal life with him. Hallelujah. We know that. But But this passage to me is fascinating. You know, you can know about that. You can have given your life to Christ and said, yes, Lord, prayed the sinner's prayer, received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But if you then get involved in habitual sin or you, you um, go down a track where you are get entwined and wrapped up in sin, your heart is going to feel heavy. It's going to feel guilt. And that guilt is actually a good thing. It's a sign, a bit like pain in your body, to show you that something is wrong. If you're feeling guilty, guilt and condemnation are not the same thing. Guilt is, is helpful when you know what to do with it but when you don't know what to do with it, guilt just weighs you down and it saps your strength and it saps your vitality and you can't feel good and you don't want to approach the throne of grace because you feel ashamed and and it can, can bring you into a cycle of fear and despair and isolation. We know that God has forgiven our sin, but that forgiveness is given in exchange for our sin. And so if you're caught in a sin... The best thing you can do is not just to say, I'm righteous, I'm righteous, I'm righteous, but to say, come before the Lord and acknowledge that which I'm doing, that's wrong, and I'm sorry. Have mercy. I receive your grace. And then freedom comes. Rather than just trying to convince yourself I'm righteous without actually acknowledging that you're doing the wrong thing and I'm sorry, help me, I don't want to do that anymore. Sometimes we can get a little confused about this. But I found for me, the simplicity of the gospel comes at the very core of it in humility. And humility says, I need help. I need help. Have mercy on me, God. So if you're finding yourself caught in a sin, God wants to give you freedom. He wants to, he's already purchased freedom for you, but he's simply waiting for you to get help. He's waiting for you to look to him and say, help, have mercy. And he will abundantly give his mercy. He'll surround you with songs of deliverance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. People know what know what this is about in the natural. For example, if they were say you're a smoker, and when smoking was first brought in, cigarettes were first brought in, people didn't know it was bad for them, and they you know quite happily smoke away. That's right. They just became. It was everybody was smoking um, because they didn't know it was a bad thing. It wasn't considered a sin. But then when they found out it was a bad thing people started to make choices like, hey, I'm not going to keep smoking because it might feel good momentarily, but long-term, this is killing me. It's bad for my lungs. And so they'd make the hard choices to stop smoking. Well, sin's a lot the same in that it might feel momentarily good, but in the long-term, it just dries you up on the inside and it, it saps your vitality and it causes you to live in shame, and and you, you don't sparkle like you're called to sparkle. Yeah. Hallelujah. Right. Because human beings were not created for sin. You and I were created for life and life more abundantly. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And when we when we embrace a lifestyle of sin, it's like trying to wear shoes that are two sizes too small. It might look good on the outside, but you're just... They're killing you on the inside. It doesn't fit. No matter how you try, it doesn't fit. But as soon as you go, oh, enough of that, and you, you say, help, I don't want that anymore, freedom comes. Sometimes it'll it'll take you coming to the Lord, just getting honest, saying, God, I'm doing this and I don't want to do that. Sorry, forgive me. Have mercy. But it'll help if you actually find a friend that won't condemn you or judge you, but that will help you um, walk in accountability, to walk free from it. Not someone that's going to punish you or talk about you or gossip about you, but someone that's safe, that wants to spur you on to love and good deeds. Other times all it takes is you getting humble before the Lord and saying God I don't want like, I don't want to live like that anymore forgive me thank you for your mercy thank you Jesus for freedom from sin <gasps> what a relief praise the Lord you don't have to go through 3 months of penance or or you don't have to go and sit in the naughty corner for the next six months to pay for what you've done. The Lord will not even remember what you've done the moment, the moment you receive his mercy and his grace. Hallelujah. Doesn't even remember your sin. So you don't have to walk around in the hangover of the guilt. You've got to believe by faith, he's better than I feel like I deserve. Hallelujah. But don't try to do that if you're still holding on to the sin. Because it's going to be a bad fit there'll be a wrestle going on on the inside like an alarm going off because you were not created to coexist with sin hallelujah it will it'll kill you but the lord wants to give you life and life more abundant amen for this cause everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found hallelujah isaiah 55 talks about this It's a great chapter. The whole chapter is delicious. But verse 6 says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. Say forsake. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon Hooray, praise the Lord. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Praise the Lord. I didn't need to read all that, but I just did because it's good. Hallelujah. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You can have confidence in him, you know. The moment you call to the Father, help He sends a father's help and the tide of battle turns and you can have confidence. God is for me. Who can be against me? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You can stir yourself up and encourage yourself in the Lord because he is for you. Throughout scripture, throughout the Psalms, you can keep hearing David over and over again say, God is for me. My God is on my side. God is for me. God wants to give you that same deep conviction, I'm for you, I'm for you, I'm for you. And you know what? He is. As you humble yourself and say, help, I need forgiveness, (sighs) receive by faith the mercy of God, the righteousness of Christ, and you can have confidence to know that God is for you. He is on your side. He wants to help you. He'll surround you with songs of deliverance. He'll preserve you from trouble. But verse 8, this is where I really want to go tonight. It says here, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. Who needs instruction and teaching from the Holy Spirit? Praise God. I will instruct you, our teacher, our helper. You can talk to the Holy Spirit, you know. You can ask him for help. He's your helper, the spirit of the father, the spirit of son, God himself with us, the spirit of glory, of wisdom, of understanding, of counsel and might, of knowledge, of the fear of the Lord. He wants to instruct you. Who wants to be taught by the spirit of wisdom? Pick me. Hallelujah. Who wants to minister with the spirit of might? We have that same Holy Spirit in the earth with us, ready to help us, to guide us, to teach us, to instruct us. Hallelujah. And he'll speak to us through his word. Hallelujah. He'll speak to us as we as we minister to him, as we wait on him, as we seek him while he may be found, which is while we are here on this earth. While there's breath in your body, seek him. Because if you seek him, the Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would remind you of his words. He'd bring it to your remembrance. That's why I get you to do these memory verses. Because if it gets planted on the inside, the Holy Spirit can bring it to your remembrance at exactly the right time to encourage you, to help you, to to remind you that I've made a way of escape for you in every single temptation that you face, that there is nothing that comes against you, that I haven't already gone before you to make the path straight, to protect you, to help you. I am here to uphold you with my righteous right hand. I will not let you be cast down. Hallelujah. And then he says here, I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with a bitten bridle, else they not come near you. I will instruct you with my eye. I love this verse. You now, sometimes people get an idea of God, that he's the big controller up in the sky. Have you ever heard people say, Jesus, take the wheel? Uh, it's a lovely thought. It's a lovely saying. But God doesn't actually want to drive you. And I understand what they're saying and I appreciate the sentiment that, hey, Lord, I want you to be my God. I want you to be my Lord. I, I, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And that's a beautiful and godly sentiment and it's true. We want him to be our Lord and our savior. But you know, God is looking for a bride. He's not looking for a slave or a robot. And his desire isn't that you would be like a, a mule or a horse who'd need to be driven and moved with a bit and a whip and a bridle. He doesn't want a bride like this. He doesn't want a people who have to be forced and controlled and manipulated and punished and brought into line. His desire is that you would be guided by his eye. That speaks of relationship. Relationship. Guided by his eye means that you know him and you trust him. Yeah, that you understand the very movement of his heart, that you begin to recognize where he's about to go next because he just moves his eye there. You've undone me with one glance of your eye, but he says that about us. But as we look at him, our hearts and his heart desire is that he, you and he would be one that we would move together in that he doesn't force us and make us do something, but he leads us gently and waits to see if we'll follow. And the more we learn and practice how to follow him, looking in his face, the easier it'll get to recognize the movement of God and the more he'll be able to do in leading you and guiding you and helping you. I've seen it happen over and over again that the Holy Spirit will just prompt. There'll be an invitation. You'll be starting to talk to somebody and perhaps you sense that there's an invitation to share your hope about Jesus. Just sense that invitation from the Holy Spirit. Not a forced thing, but you can sense it. And if you recognize it's the guiding of his eye, can have a wonderful opportunity to share Christ or perhaps I don't know like uh, my life's a musical you know that but sometimes I wake up in the morning and I've got a song going through my head and as I'm singing this song it's often an invitation for me to come away and just sing it to him privately and as I do (sighs) ah It's a little door into a great big encounter with his love. Hallelujah. To be guided by the eye of God is the heart's desire of your father. He's not got his whip out. His his rod and his staff aren't there to belt you into obedience. They're there to fight off the predators that try and come and attack you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They're there to help you and to rescue. And God's heart desire for you and I is that we would learn what it looks like to be guided by the eye of God. That we'd recognize the importance of knowing that God is not the big controller in the sky, but he's our relational father who wants to lead us, who wants to help us, who wants to speak to us. Sometimes he'll speak by just a little desire in your heart that gets stirred up. You might feel like you want to bring an encouragement to someone. That's an invitation from the Holy Spirit to step into something that could be a big breakthrough for somebody else. I've had uh, countless times where I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to pray for somebody. And as I've stepped into that, just prayed for them, I found out later in the day that unbeknownst to me, they were in a really difficult situation that they needed prayer for. And when they say, When I say, oh, I was praying for you earlier in the day, they say, oh, that's amazing. This, this, and this happened. God's desire for us is that we would recognize that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, but he has given us the mind of Christ and the capacity to come into union with him if we would just seek his face. Seeking his face isn't just about us having nice feelings and a, a, a happy encounter with God. It's actually becoming familiar with his eyes so that we can be led by his spirit to do the works of Jesus on the earth that his name would be glorified and magnified. Hallelujah. And as you train yourself, the gifts grow by reason of use. We train our senses by reason of use. As we learn to become familiar with the voice of God, with the ways of God. God will lead you, he'll guide you, and he will cause cause you to to come into situations that otherwise may not have opened for you. You see, I often say that many prophecies are not inevitabilities, but they are invitations waiting for our response. (coughs) The promises of God, the desire of God is that everybody would walk and inherit and live in the promises of God, but they are mostly invitational. They're an invitation to blessing. They're an invitation to freedom. They're an invitation that is waiting for us to have a heart response to say, yes, I see you moving there. Yes, I'm going to come into agreement with you. Yes, I'm going to to say what you're saying. I'm going to look at you. I'm going to listen to what you're saying. I'm going to see what you're doing. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. That is... He was being guided by his eye. How do we be guided by the eye of God? Well, it begins by seeking him while he may be found. By looking and recognizing, thank you, Jesus, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, because of the forgiveness that Jesus gives to me, because I repent of my sin and receive the mercy of God, I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. I am now one of his sheep, and his sheep hear his voice. Therefore, I'm going to incline my ear to you. I'm going to listen to what you're saying. I'm going to read with a belief and a faith that you're going to speak to me. You're going to lead me. You're going to guide my steps. I'm going to listen for those little invitations. I'm going to listen to lean in when I, when I recognize that you are beginning something. You're beginning to speak to me. And as you lean in, you'll see miracles happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Perhaps it's begun like a desire in your heart. Oh, God, I want to see people get breakthrough in a particular area. Oh, God, I want to see miracles. That is a dinner bell ringing, waiting for you to say, Yes, God, I recognize you're drawing me into this, and you're going to show me what to do. You're going to instruct me. You're going to guide me with your eye, and we're going to see the miracles of Jesus Christ manifest in our generation that your name would be lifted up. You might have a desire in your heart Um, in whatever area he gives you. You might get a divine initiative that he drops into your heart. Don't expect that God's going to make it happen. He's inviting you. He's leading you. He's guiding you. You might get a great business idea. Just drop into your heart while you're just spending time in the presence of God. Don't go, okay, well, we'll see if that happens. Begin to move with it and let the Holy Spirit lead you, let him guide you, recognise that he doesn't want to take over the wheel, he wants to lead you and tell you the better way to go. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his heart desire is that we would be led and guided by his eye.